in the Father who created all that is. And we believe the universe and all therein is His. As a loving Heavenly Father, He yearned to save us all, to lift us from the fall. We believe, we believe in Jesus, the Father's only Son, existing uncreated before time had A sacrifice for sin. He died, then rose again to ransom sinful men. We The Comforter has come. His kingdom unfolds in His plan, unhindered by quarrels of man. His church upheld by His hand. We Though the earth be removed and time be no more, these truths are secure. God's word shall endure whatever may change. These things are sure. We believe. So if those mountains are cast down, when kingdoms all crumble, this one remains. Our faith is not subject to seasons of man. With our fathers we proclaim. We
I'm so thankful for what this church stands for. We stand firmly upon the word of God. It is what we stand on when it comes to the, the Holy Trinity, the, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that there is one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And the purpose for this church, first and foremost, is to bring honor and glory to God. But God has us here on this earth right now so that we might fulfill the Great Commission. We have the message that this, this world, this country needs. And I praise the Lord for the heritage of this great church that we have. This church can only be called great because of our great God. This church is only what it is today because of what God has done through it. And I praise the Lord for it. And I'm thankful that we can celebrate today 37 years. I love Brother Paul Barnes and, and his family. They've been such a blessing to us through the years. And I'm so thankful um, that he's here back with us. We had a great message at 10 o'clock about a wonderful time. And I'm looking forward to what God has laid on his heart this morning for this next message. And I'd invite you, would you just give him a hand this morning as he comes and encourage him as he comes and preaches for us this morning. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, brother. I love you. Well, praise God, you all have rails. Two years ago, no problem, no problem. Two years ago, uh, I was uh, here. I don't think not everybody thought they'd see me again. <laughs> I had a, a life, uh, I guess, a life pack on. It was a fibrillator because I was in AFib, and the thing kept going off, and I'd be yelling. I'd preach the funeral with that thing on. I had to tell it to shut up, and it wouldn't listen. It kept going off. Bystander, stand back. Patient's about to be treated. I want you to know, as many of you already experienced, Nobody went to sleep from that message, but I'm glad I'm here today, and uh, I was here, as I said this morning, right before the communist virus took over the country, and um, I'm glad you all have continued to go on for God. Today, we look at the history, and you'll have to excuse me if you weren't here earlier. Um, I have no tears in my eyes, so I have to bend over sometimes to see what I have. It seems like there's more light now than there was earlier, so praise the Lord. And then there was light. <laughs> so today as we look at the history of Lighthouse Baptist Church, we see a faithful trail of God's people who had faith in God and regularly prayed and followed and obeyed God's word. In 1984, two brothers had a mutual desire to see an independent Baptist church begin in the Hamlin Township area of Ludington, Michigan. The first service of Lighthouse Baptist Church was November 18, 1984. The first pastor was Don Spencer, 1984 to 1985. The second pastor was George Peters. August 25, 1985 to 1987. The third pastor was from 87 to 94, and that was Pastor Bill Mason. The ch church continued to grow under him, and he helped much of the building we have today on Lighthouse Baptist Church. Uh, and this is the auditorium we're in today. The fourth pastor was 1994 to 2002, was Pastor Mike Peltry, and he helped start the missions program to make it strong and introduce faith promise mission giving 
to the church. In 2003, the present pastor, my friend and your friend, a man of God. And I'll tell you, in the years I've known him, there's times I felt like I was kicked in my stomach because of things that had happened. And I was ready to take a break from preaching. Brian said, I thought you said you throw punches all the time. Is this throwing punches? You get up here and preach. I thank God for his friendship. He's been a friend. There's sometimes I didn't feel I had a friend. He's a real pastor's friend and a Christian friend. He loves people intimately. And I thank God for that. Um, he's been the pastor. He come in, originally he was here in 1998 as the associate pastor of music and youth. Pastor Brian is a man of faith and prayer and regularly studies the word of God, a faithful teacher and preacher. And no matter what, I know times for a fact that I've called him and he just could not talk to me because he was in the word of God. And he'd tell his secretary, can you have him call back later or can I call him in two hours? Because his first loyalty wasn't to his friendship to me. It was to his time with God. That's why Brian Blount is the man of God he is. You all have a lot to be thankful for. And I'm thankful for the love of this church and your prayers. I believe that it's one of the main reasons why I'm still here today. If you love God's word, say amen. amen. And let's turn in the word of God to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. And starting at verse 1, would you mind standing with me, please? Exodus 17, verse 1 to 9. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. Called that because they were constantly complaining about being there. After their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, they pitched in Repidan, and there was no water for the people to drink. God had just given them the best hamburgers you've ever eaten, and they were complaining about no food. Now they're eating manna burgers. Now they want water, and they start complaining to God. It was better, and Moses is better in Egypt than it is here. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Moses said unto him, Why chide with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is the, thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And Moses, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will be, stand before thee upon the rock of Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, 
and there shall come water out of it that people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? So we see God's just supplied their needs. And I just want to read this one verse as we go into the passage. And then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Repidim. And then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Repidim. Let's pray. You, Lord, help me now as I preach the word of God. May these dear people not hear me, but hear what thus saith the Lord. I need you, Lord. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit. I pray if there's a precious soul here, show them 2,000 years ago, you died for them personally. And I pray that dear soul will open up their heart today to know that the answer for their eternity is Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray for Christians, Lord, that have gotten weak. They're not who they used to be, that they get back on the horse for you today from what's preached from thy word. Lord, may we lift you up. I ask you to take over, Lord. Thank you for the great day of this church and how you've guided this church for 37 years. I ask you now, Lord, same God that has guided this church, brought this church to where it is, I pray, Lord, that you would fill me with that Holy Spirit and give me power now to preach the word, and God's people will not hear me, but will hear you. I plead the blood, and I ask you to help me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May be seated. name of my message is, when the enemy comes, lift up God's word. When the enemy comes, lift up God's word. Whenever you have victory, always remember Satan will attack. Every time Israel had victory, it said, then came the Amalekite. Then came the Amalekite. They're a type of Satan. As the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, Satan's a roaring lion, walking about, seeking who he devour. He wants to destroy you individually. He hates this church, and he wants to destroy its existence. Always remember, Satan will attack. Here we see God has blessed and provided for Israel, and the people still do nothing but complain. God gives them food from the sky, then gives them water out of a rock, and then God gives them victory and gives them water. And before they can get more than a couple cups, here comes the enemy. I want to ask you a question. Are you saved today? If so, do you trust God when bad times come? Or do you complain and blame God? Do you fret and look at the problems? Or do you look to good, look to God? God has just, my first point is, God has just answered Moses' prayer and provided for Israel. I want you to know, folks, God is good no matter what happens in your life. God don't change for you. God loves you. And he provided for Israel and he protected Israel. He even opened up the Red Sea and had a pillar of fire to hold back the army. And regardless of what the Moses movie many of us have watched many years old one of the famous ones uh, the whole army was drowned in that water and most likely 
Pharaoh very clearly was, was destroyed with them. God doesn't play. God protected them again and again and again and again in the wilderness. God has just provided food for them, and now they're complaining about water. Sometimes that's what we do. We just complain about the stupidest thing. Can I hear an amen? We see here the people complain, why are we in the desert without food? And then God provides. Then why are we in the desert without water? And then God greatly provides and brings water out of a rock. In verse 4, we see Moses cries out to God and said, those people are ready to stone me. So God answers. Brings down water out of a rock. We see God told Moses, take the rod. You know, I wish I had my cane. I used a cane when I was here last time. And I was using a cane. When I preached this message, it was perfect. I always lift up my cane. So you just imagine I have one. I was using one just four weeks ago. I haven't used one since. Praise God for it. I called that cane my street fighting stick to make it sound cool. <laughs> now, the Bible says God took the rod. He took the rod of God, and he struck the rod, the rock with a rod, and water will come out, and he did. He obeyed God. He didn't question God. And the people of Israel are a lot like us. They quickly forget all God has done and complain. Deuteronomy 6, 5, it tells us, as it said then, it says today, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might, all thy energy. Remember over in Psalms 46, 10, the Bible says, When storms come, be still and know I'm God. In verse 1, it tells us of Psalms 46, God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in the time of trouble, in the time of problems, in the time of cancer. There's nobody who's going to help you more than God. Right after God supplies their needs, the people start complaining. And here we see the Amalekites. They go all the way back to Esau. It's like he's a grandfather in some most ways to the, ch to the children of the Amalekites. And all they do, because he was a man of the flesh, fought with his brother, he sold his birthright for a mess of pottage, married un ungodly women, with everything was about hunting and about the flesh. Hunting's great. I love to hunt. I never hit anything, but I love to hunt. I freeze all the time, and then my friends walk out of the woods with a deer, and I have nothing. And I learned something. I learned how to text because of hunting. <laughs> I was told by some dear Christian friends, Preacher, you don't talk on a phone out here. You text. <laughs> so the first message I ever text was to my wife, Hi. I remember Sean Smith, the pastor out there in DeWitt, Michigan, he, got a, he had a heart problems and wasn't able to preach, and he's asking me if I would come that Sunday and preach, and he texted me a message, and I said, how in the world am I going to answer him? 
And after about two hours, I finally put yes. <laughs> so I've come a little ways. I have an iPhone, as I said, in Sunday school. I don't know how to work it. But here we see right after God supplies their needs, they're back to complaining. And here come the grandchildren of a very fleshly man. Very interesting. How the Amalekites and other nations, Moabnites, come from people that were people of God. And because of their sins and their twisted lifestyles, another children came out of their bloodline. And those, those nations then become nations and they fight Israel. And God uses them to punish Israel and spank Israel. And here, sometimes God uses hard times to bless us. Can I hear an amen? And sometimes... Not all the time, but sometimes some hard times is because of bad decisions we've made that weren't led by God. So here we notice the enemy comes. If you love God's word, say amen. And we go over here. I will stand before thee upon a rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and water come out. Now we go down a little farther. We go to verse 8. Then came the Amalites and fought with Israel and represented. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose you out men. And go fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hands. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And then it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand... Amalek prevailed, but Moses' hands were heavy, and he took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the, the other on the other side. As he held up the rod in his hands. He had Aaron on one side and Hur on the other, and his body got weak, and when that rod would come down, Joshua started losing, and the Amalekites started winning. Folks, when the word of God comes down in your house, the devil starts winning. When you take the standards off and let that TV, that boob tube, or that dummy maker machine just go wild. You don't even turn it off because of the cuss words. Say, well, if God understands, it's a good movie. I'm not going to climb through a sewer to eat a biscuit. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> we got to lift up the word of God. We're not having that on our boob tube. We've got to lift up the word of God when sickness comes. We've got to lift up the word of God. The answers are there. They're in the word. And they lifted up the rod and his body got weak. And it's interesting that they put a stone under him. I want you to know Jesus is the rock. Can I hear an Amen. As we're saying today, he's our foundation. That's why this church exists, because those two brothers didn't just want a Baptist church. They wanted an independent Baptist church. And they were traveling far to find one. And they wanted one in their area. Thank God for their prayer life. And they wanted a place where the word of God would be lifted up and truth. 
There are churches that are hooked up with organizations, folks, that may have a preacher preach the message, but if the organization doesn't like him, they can yank him out and put somebody in with the church having no vote about it. I'm talking Baptist churches. That's what's wonderful about an independent Baptist church. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You all make the decisions as God leads you, not some fathead sitting in a chair five states away. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I'm sorry if I'm not too cultured. (laughs) He lifted up the rod and his body got weak. I know what that is, to be weak, just to stand. And Brian asked me about that pulpit he had. I was afraid I may go right on the ground with it. But his body got weak. And so Aaron and her said, hey, sit on this stone and hold up the rod of God. And Aaron's on one side and her's on another. You know what that represents? The church standing by the man of God. Not tearing them down. We got preachers today that people go home and they eat more of the preacher than they do dinner. Let's tear the preacher. And the kids hear that. And they have a chip on their shoulder. If you got any of that in you, get it right. Because you're hurting your family and you're hurting the church. And thank God for all those that say, hey, hey, that's a problem. But let's talk to the pastor about it. Let's stop right here. Let's pray. Devotions, folks. The church is to back up what you and I get in our homes, lifting up the word of God. And sometimes, let's be honest, a lot of Christian families are driving to church, fighting all the way here, and then they walk in the door, praise God! (laughs) That robs you of the power of God. And you can't wait to get to the house of God because you've been eating a lot of dinners on the way to keep yourself strong, and the more you eat that word of God, in your daily home, in your daily life, the more your family has devotions. And I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and say, I have devotions every day. I, I get mad at myself and sometimes grab my kids at 10 o'clock. It's really late. And now I'm mad at them because they're falling asleep as I'm reading the Bible to them. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? amen. We need to make that the main center and we need to regularly have devotion. We need to regularly lift up God's word. And the more we do, the more we're going to get and connect what God's given the preacher when he preaches the word of God to us. A lot of times we're sitting there, da, 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 I can't wait to eat. wonder what lunch is going to be like today. Those are Christians that are not feeding regularly on the word of God. Folks, feed on the word of God. Lift it up in your life. And in your family's life, continually and consistently, it makes a difference, especially when the hard times of life come your way. That's why all of a sudden the family's gone and they're not in church anymore. Because they weren't feeding as a family on the word of God. The devil wants you to destroy your home, your life, and your faith. If he can't take you to hell, he wants to make your life stink. The enemy of the Amalekites 
Moses said, I will stand on the hill, and he did. And as he got weak, the people of God, Aaron and her, held up his arms, and he sat, and I believe that, that stone that he sat on represents the rock. I want you to know, Christ don't move. He stands strong in your behalf. He gives you and me a solid foundation. I was at the greatest point of my church history and just moved into a new building in 2002. I was struck down with leukemia. It's a hard time. It's a hard time to adjust. And I was given a short time to live. Had to tell the doctor on my transplant to shut up and stop telling my wife that I may be dead in the morning. She didn't need to hear that. He was tearing her apart. I had to tell him to shut up, leave that in God's hands. And this doctor is Dr. Smith. He's still running the cancer, last I knew, the cancer department of John Hopkins. And he doesn't believe in God. And he'll tell you, your blood veins are 250 miles long. Did you hear that? Blood veins of one human being is 250 miles long. And I learned that from Dr. Smith. And that same bonehead doesn't believe that God exists one sec, as I told him, one second after he's dead, that dear doctor's going to meet God as his judge. Because he rejects the word of God and he lines up with 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. The preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but to us who believe it's the power of God. And it was God's will and God brought me through a bone marrow transplant that he tried to talk me out of, said he didn't think I'd make it. I was given a 1% chance. I want you to know God doesn't care about the averages. God can do anything. Since then, those of you that are new to the church, I evangel did evangelism, had to resign from my church, the hardest thing I ever did. Got back in evangelism, working with RU, and then eventually got back in the pastorate. But I continue to lift it up the word of God, even worked a bus route. It was hard, but I want you to know God was with me in every situation, and God's with me today, and God's with you. Don't ever leave God. He's good. I don't understand all that happens. I don't understand all he does, but he's God, and I'm just a puny little human being thanking God I'm part of the body of Christ. Then as a pastor... I got kidney cancer. Now I'm facing death again. And as I had to do a hard thing there and resign from that church, and thank God I, I got done what I got done and God was done with me there. I remember a man in my church named Brian Butler. Brian Butler was a, a guy who had been in the Worked in Korea in the Army. He drove big, giant tractor trailers, gas trucks. He had one of the trucks he was in, tractor trailer, went over a hill and crashed in North Korea as he was in the Army. I believe he was in the Rangers. And his brain basically came out of his head, most of it. He had his whole head opened up. As he got back to life, he got saved over there. Some Baptist preacher led him to Christ in Korea. Praise God for that. But he got back and he goes to a church. 
in Attica soon after he got back, and he had a seizure. And they called the police and had him arrested. I kid you not. The second time he went to another Baptist church, he started having a seizure again. Instead of asking him, what's the medical problem? What's your background? Hey, can we help you? The deacons dragged him out and threw him out the door and said, don't ever come back again or we'll have the cops take you away from here. Two Baptist churches in within two months. His own sister turned on him and sent him in a paddy wagon, basically, to one of the psycho places. Turns out he had brain lapses. He had medical problems that came from what happened in the military. Brian was one that was saved but needed somebody to grow. And one day I knocked on his door and we loved Brian. He never had a seizure on me. But I had to teach him how to quit smoking. He wanted to quit, but he, uh, I got him using candy cigarettes, and it worked, and he quit. And Brian would talk sometimes, and he wouldn't use glue. He had hardly any teeth left, and his mouth would judder all around. I had to teach him how to use glue in his mouth to hold his teeth together. Sometimes, he'd, but he got a burden for souls, and he was loved. And he started bringing all these little adults who were little children trapped in an adult's body. Can I hear an amen? And I'm telling you what, there wasn't a quiet day in church when he started bringing those people. It was different, but they got saved too, amen. And I had to put up with, hey, preacher, what are we singing? And we've already told the church four times what we're singing. It was just a big playground to them, but it was all new. They had Jesus. Brian continually lifted up the word of God. And one day as I was driving down the road with Brian, and I'm getting ready to resign, and Brian knows that he starts weeping. And he said, Pastor, I, I know you're in pain right now. I said, how do you know that, Brian? I can tell, and I was. And he said, I just want you to know I love you, Pastor, and thank you for loving me. You made me feel important. Brian continued witnessing and I said Brian you just be faithful and you stand by the new pastor and you go soul winning every week like you are and this went on for a couple months after I left and one day he got up at 9 30 and or nine o'clock and he was getting ready to get in the car and he was getting dressed and getting his gospel tracks in his pocket and getting ready to go out to gospel light baptist to go soul winning on Saturday morning and the, the new pastor starts calling and nobody answering Brian had a heart attack that day I ended up doing his funeral, and we had a whole bunch, of, we had over 20 little children in adult bodies get saved, and one of them was one of the educated leaders of the people who were normal, like you and me, who looked at the little children as though that's cute. He walked the aisle and got saved too, all because of Brian was faithful and kept lifting up the word of God. Folks, how many people are like Brian? They need to be loved, and they need the word of God lifted up in their life. And it's amazing the things God will get out of them. God just wants somebody who's yielded to him. Moses was yielded to him, and he continued lifting up the word of God, and the Amalekites lost. We go down in the word of God. If you love God's word, say amen. amen. And we go on down here. We go a little farther, and we say, And Joshua, verse 13, 
and Joshua discomforted Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And Moses is on that hill with the rod of God. And the, the bystanders are not sitting there, Aaron and her, running him down and tearing him down. You can't expect your pastor to be consistent, to be bright, to be on time, to have that message click what you need for your next week of going out into a devil's world. You can't expect that if he's getting torn down left and right. He needs to be lifted up in prayer. He needs to be lifted up in encouragement. That's what keeps the pastor going. I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar called the name of a Jehovah Nissi, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And God used the enemy of Amalek to punish Israel. Every time Israel had victory, you'll hear, then came the Amalekites. Folks, then comes Satan in your home. Then comes Satan in your house. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything but our of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Sufficiency means ability, resources, money, or needs, whatever it is. God is more than enough. Everybody say that with me. God is more than enough. He won't always give you what you want, but he'll give you what you need. John 1 tells it all. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things are made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that was a life, was a light to all men. John 3, verse 16, as he continues his conversation with a priest who just got saved and just received Christ as his Savior. He goes on to say in 15, Whosoever believeth on the Lord shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God hallelujah we got to lift up Jesus Christ in our homes in our lives in our jobs it's sad how many people that you and I know, don't know about Jesus. It's embarrassing when I go soul winning for churches. Just had the privilege of helping start a church out in Breckenridge, Michigan. It's now Bible Baptist, First Baptist Church ever in Breckenridge. And it's sad when you go soul winning for an existing church that's been around for a long time and you meet people and you start bragging about the neighbor that you know goes to the church you're witnessing for. And all of a sudden, the man I'm witnessing to tells me, he's never told me that. 
I didn't know he was saved. Known him for 15 years. And I'm so embarrassed, of course, I don't go back and say anything. That's embarrassing. Folks, everybody ought to know about our Savior. Lift him up. The enemy's coming. Lift up God's word in your home regularly. Lift up God's word in your life. Your greatest relationship. If you want a great relationship in your marriage, you've got to have a great relationship with God first. Because he's the foundation. When Moses' hands were lifted up, Israel won. When the hands came down, Israel lost. When the word of God isn't lifted up, we lose. Sometimes our faith is strong and many times it's weak. Reminds you of Matthew 14. Jesus tells Peter, O ye of little faith, when he sunk in the water and took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the storm. When cancer comes, when sickness comes, when heart problems come, look to Jesus Christ. I have a dear friend named Phil down in uh, Winchester, Virginia. And his family wasn't going to church, and now they got him going to a good church out there I preached revival for. And Phil's now got cancer. And Phil's got it in his, some bad areas. And he's taking radiation every day. And when I called him on the phone two days ago to encourage him, he encouraged me. He said, I'm doing great. I've been singing today, making up new songs. My wife ran in another room. She's getting tired of me singing. He works at night. He's a carrier for a pharmacy. And he won't take off work. Everybody knows him as Whitson Phil. He's got hell going on in his life, pain. But he's lifting up Jesus! People he's led to the Lord in Africa are texting me on my phone. I don't know how to work. <laughs> Bragging about Phil. We notice also in Mark 9, 4, verse 40, the disciples are on a boat there too. This is another storm. This is not the same storm. I know there's some people try to tell you it's the same storm. No, it's not. And Jesus said in Matthew 14, oh, you have little faith. But in Matthew and Mark 4, Jesus says, where is your faith? And then he goes on to say, you act as though you have no faith. What does Jesus say about you, friend? Is your faith little? Or is it much? Or would Jesus say, these are disciples that followed him. You have no faith. The only time evolution is ever true, it's false. We were created by God. Amen. Amen. But the only time it's true is we can evolve from a Christian who loves the Lord and stop lifting up the word of God, and we can evolve into a very fleshly Christian who lives a very defeated life and dies a defeated death. That's what the devil wants for you. Don't let him do that to you. There's people that got bitter because of somebody at a church. I've literally been in a church where people sit over here because they don't want to sit next to those people. That kind of stuff is foolishness. 
That's what the devil loves. Don't allow that in your church. Don't allow that in your life. Don't. And if somebody even shares it with you, you call them on it and say, hey, let's go pray with the pastor about it. Guess what? They're going to stop coming to you. Can I hear an amen? And hopefully they'll get right. When you listen to that stuff, you cause your problem. What's hurting your life? What's hurting your faith? You know, there's an example once. I, you had a dear lady in this church. She's went on to be with the Lord. What was her name, Pastor Brian? Huh? Mrs. Joyce Fisher. And she, uh, she loved me. I, the first time she told me she loved me because I was always using examples. Nobody knew where the examples came from. She did. They were from her, her hero of a preacher she grew up with called Lee Robertson. One of the examples that she loved, and she'd always say, don't you quit. You keep going. I'm praying for you, preacher. It's women like that and people like that. It's why this church exists today, folks. God answers prayer. And I told this story once, and she, she knew right away. She came right up to me afterwards. Now, that's Dr. Lee Robinson's story. Yes, I did. Amen. But there was a test pilot, and he took a plane up in the air. And as a test pilot took that plane up in the air, he was test, that was his job, to take those balsam wood planes, and they were not very sturdy, and they had a thin line to the rudder. And as he's going up in the air, something's making noise so loud he can hear it over the engine. He looks behind him, and there's a rat eating on the, power, on the, on the line that goes to the rudders of the plane. And he remembered something from class that his professor had taught him that rats hate altitude. So he took that old Walsham wood plane and he started going up in the air higher and higher and higher. And before you knew it, that rat stopped eating that line and fell off and passed out. Friends, the higher you get and the closer you get to God, the more the evil will pass away from you. And the weaker grip the devil will have on you. And that's what Moses did, holding up those arms, holding up that rod of God, and God gave them victory. We see at the end, 14 and 16, we see Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner is what it means. The Lord is my victory. God told Moses, remember, it was God that gave you the victory, not yourselves. And God's the one that's given the victory here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. God has used great men, but it's been ultimately God that's done this. From a vision, two brothers had. We see clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we see right there, it's in verse 14, now thanks be to God, which always get triumphs in Christ and make us manifest of his knowledge by us in every place. Did you hear that? In every place. In Colossians 3 verse 17, if ye be risen with Christ, think those things which are above 
where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things of God, not the things of this earth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. We see the word of God when it's lifted up. It changes lives and direction. As the rod of God was lifted up, Moses over the battlefield, great victory came. And great victory will continue here and will be in your life when the word of God is continually lifted up, no matter what cancer, no matter what sickness, no matter what financial problems come. It looks like we have a lot of financial problems coming in this country, folks. We need to lift up the word of God more than ever in our lives. Friends, marriages, and lives are falling apart today. There's a lot of changes There's a lot of lies being taught today. What we need is the word of God lifted up, not humanism. Can I hear an amen? Not political correct police. Can I hear an amen? Not wokeism. Can I hear an amen? Not critical race theory. The problem's not sin. The skin, the problem is sin. That stuff is driving people crazy today. And it's not transgenderism either. Our new Congress elected recently to get rid of the man and woman. You call a woman a, a birthing thing, like she's a machine. That's a birthing person. How stupid can you get? We have much wickedness coming down the road, folks. And we've got to lift up the word of God with our children faithfully and in our churches. Because I'm telling you, it's going to get bad. But don't be alarmed. God is with you as he was with Moses and Aaron when the Amalekites came. The Amalekites are coming today. They're coming tomorrow. But thank God for the word of God we can lift up. The Bible says we're more than conquerors with them. That follow him. In Philippians 2, 16, it says, Holding faith, the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain. Our life is not in vain when it's in Jesus Christ. In 1990, I got to think there, 1990, I was in New Hampshire, and I was asked by a family, to go see their 103-year-old grandfather. He talked better than most of us. Usually when people get to that age, you don't think they can even have a conversation. He had a full conversation with me. At 80, he had the biggest landscaping business in New Hampshire. He was an incredible man. He had lived a long time. He wasn't ready to die. He didn't want to die, but he was dying. The family asked me to go see him, and I started talking to him about the gospel, and all of a sudden, he started laughing in my face. And I said, sir, did I say something funny? He said, no, but do you know who Billy Sunday is? I said, yes, sir, I do. I said, he was a great preacher in the 20s. He said, yeah, and I sat in the front row and laughed as he preached what you're preaching, that gospel. 
And I laughed at him those many years ago as a young man, and I'm laughing at you now as an old man. And it's quick as spit. I didn't care about the family. I was young and dumb, and I didn't have tact. I was a young preacher. And I just said to him right off the bat, I said, one second after you're dead, you won't be laughing anymore, sir. Sir, Jesus has given you a long life to receive Christ, and you're going to be under the judgment of God. You're going to be God as your judge. Dear, dear sir, please receive Jesus. And he started laughing. I don't believe in that. The family was horrified that I talked to their granddaddy because they cared more about their granddaddy's feelings than they did that their granddaddy was going to hell. And that granddaddy died not long after that conversation. Because he chose to reject the word of God. The Bible tells us there's a world out there. And many of them are good citizens. Many of them are good human beings as far as we can see. But they will not bow their knee to Jesus Christ. And folks, if you're one of those, you're going to meet Jesus, if you like it or not, believe it or not, as your judge. Where the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Second Peter 3.9, God was long-suffering with that dear man. In 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's my God, amen. That's your God. 1 Corinthians 1.18, as I said earlier, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of God we need to lift up Jesus folks in our life in our home and with the lost people we know as I close a month ago three weeks ago a month ago I was asked to preach at the American Legion in Lapeer. Very interesting thing happened. The grandfather I was doing the memorial service for was a Korean vet. He was in the Korean War. He was a great American. He was a great hero. He even had medals they showed of medals of valor. But he was lost. And three years before I did the funeral, he had received Christ as his Savior. And so when the family told me that, I was excited and honored to be asked to go to the VA Memorial. The place was packed, just packed. And so as God helped me and as I preached the word of God and gave the gospel, there was decisions, but something, there was decisions. People raised their hand and praise the Lord, there were some souls that got saved. But I went over and sat down with the family and started comforting the family and having fellowship, and they had a dinner there. And all of a sudden, one of the men of the family, Steve, who lives in Gaylord, Michigan, drove all the uh, way, no, Nick was his name. He drove all the way up from Gaylord. And he comes up to me, and he, he uh, starts crying. He said, everything you said from the pulpit today, my friend Steve said to me, when Steve told me all about that, I had said in the message, you got to be born again. 
And believe it or not, you're going to meet Jesus as your judge or your savior. You say, that's what Steve used to tell me all the time. Let a God get born again. And I said, where's Steve at? I like to shake his hand. He said, Steve's dead. He said, Steve witnessed to me in the factory for 20 years. For 20 years, he gave me the gospel. He said everything you said. I said, did he ask you if you wanted to be saved? He said, several times. And I rejected it. I thought it was foolish. I said, let me tell you something, Nick. You're never going to see your granddaddy ever again unless you do what your granddaddy did. And you're never going to see Steve again. And I got to take Nick aside, and Nick got gloriously born again. Then he stands up and starts saying to his whole family, get over here, get over here. This preacher's going to tell you how to be born again. I just got born again. That's salvation, folks. What am I saying with that, that example? Keep lifting up the word of God. You don't know what your faithful witness is going to do later in somebody's life. They may not get saved now, but somebody else will water and somebody else may receive. Lift up the word of God. Be faithful. And there I was leading Nick to the Lord because of a faithful servant of God that I never met in my life named Steve who's with the Lord. Be faithful in your witness. Lift up God. There are people in hell that hate some Christians because they know they're Christians. And those Christians never invited them to church. Those Christians never witnessed to them, and they can't stand their name. Some of them even hate their family that kept them from church because they know the truth now, and it's too late. Dear friend, if you're here today, hell, when you pass a graveyard, if you pass one today, remember this thought. Every one of those tombstones represents somebody's alive right now. It's alive as I'm standing here speaking to you on this uh, microphone they're as alive as you are right now in hell or heaven that's reality folks that's reality nobody dies and just goes to the ground their body does but they go to be with the lord that's why the bible says when jesus comes back absent from the body is present with the lord Jesus is coming back. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, Abide in him, little children, that when he may appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. I ask you, have you admitted you're a sinner? There's three things you must do. They're simple things. Romans 3.23, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You've got to admit you're a sinner. Second, you've got to believe, Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou, not maybe, shalt be saved. And number three, you've got to call, Romans 10, 9, Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, not maybe, shall be saved. And as I said earlier, the most powerful part of that verse is the period. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, 7, for whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And Christian, I say this to you, if Jesus came back tomorrow morning or comes back tonight or this afternoon, how are you going to be found? 
That's what that verse I just quoted is saying. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, it's talking to us right now in 2021. It's hard to believe it's 2021. But today, in 2021, it says, Abide in him, little children, that you may be, you may, abide in him, little children, that when he may, when he appears, you may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. He's coming back, folks. We've got to lift up the word of God and be ready for it. Are you ready? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. And we thank you for the example you used here of Moses. And how as long as he lifted up the rod, he had victory. And when the rod came down, he had defeat. And Lord, we don't want defeat in our home. We don't want the Amalekites. We don't want Satan to win in our homes and our lives. Lord, please work in the Christian life. Help us not to be ashamed at your appearing. May we abide in you. And Lord, for anybody here today that's not saved, to show them you had them on your mind 2,000 years ago when you died on the cross. And you want them to be saved today. And just like you saved the thief on the cross, you'll save them. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Who would say, preacher, I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure my name's in the book of life. Can I see your hands today? Anybody that would say that? Anybody say, preacher, we'll have, if you're a man, we'll have a man take a Bible and say how to be saved. If you're a woman, we'll have a lady take a Bible and say how to be saved. If you're a young person, we'll have an adult take a Bible and say how to be saved. Who would say, preacher, I'm not sure my name's in the book of life. The Bible says whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. You can only get your name in that book of life not through church membership, not through baptism, but through Jesus Christ as your Savior. He loved you. And he had you and me on his mind 2,000 years ago. That's love, folks. And that old thief's dying on that cross. And he said, he had just been laughing at Jesus in one of the Gospels. Just been laughing at him. With the other thief. Then he realized, what am I doing? This is the man that healed the blind man. This is the man that raised Lazarus from the dead. And he told the other thief, shut up, we're worthy of this. We deserve to be on this cross. But he does not acknowledge Jesus was God. He acknowledged Jesus was the only answer. He acknowledged Jesus was sinless, and he was not. And he said, will you remember me, Master, will you remember me in your kingdom? And Jesus looked down to a man that you and I wouldn't want in our living room. And said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Friends, Jesus We'll save you today if you call him. Who would say, preacher, pray for me? I'm not sure I'm saved. I see the hands of anybody. The Lord is knocking. The Lord is knocking. Who would say, preacher, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. But I haven't consistently been lifting up God's word like I should. I need to lift up God's word in my life more than I do. There's areas where I'm letting fear dominate me. I'm letting worry dominate me. I'm letting some habit or sin dominate me. And I need victory as a Christian. Pray for me that I'd be the Christian I should be. And I would consistently lift up God's word and follow God. And not do my own thing. Can I see your hands in prayer today? You'd say that. 
who would say, my, weak, my faith isn't what it used to be. I need my faith restored. I need it strong again. I see those hands of prayer for faith. I see those hands. With us standing and the piano playing, there's an old rug down here. The Lord's talked to you. Let's have a time of saying thank God for this church. Thank you, Lord, for a place I can worship. Thank you for my salvation. And Lord, help. And maybe get a burden for somebody you know that you know you need to witness, you need to give the gospel to. Stop letting fear dominate you. Don't worry about what they think about you. Worry about their eternity in a lost place called hell. And as I turn the invitation over, let's let the Lord have his way. Let's mean business with God. Many hands raised. I'm going to ask Pastor Brian to take over. I invite you to stand if you would. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Is God speaking to your heart? I invite you to step out. Would you come this morning and pray? Would you come pray for that loved one that God has placed on your heart, that friend? Perhaps you need to just come and say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I want to be a witness for you. Lord, give me the strength, give me the wisdom, the words to witness to my neighbor, co-worker. God speaking to your heart this morning. Would you come? Say, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Oh, listen, don't leave today that way. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I invite you to come. We'll show you from the Word of God how you can be saved today. Won't you come? Would you pray for that, that person God's laying on your heart right now? Pray for their salvation. Closed as God speaking to your heart this morning. You're going through that difficult time. You feel overwhelmed. Would you lift up God? Would you come and pray and ask Him to help you? Would you put your eyes on Him? heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you once again. Do you know that you're on your way to heaven this morning? Has there been a time and a place in your life when you acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, that you acknowledge that he, he's the only way to heaven? You believe that he died for you and that he rose again. And you believed and trusted in him. Have you been saved today? Have you been born again? The Bible says if we have we have 100% peace in knowing that we're on our way to heaven. He's made that promise to us. You have that peace in your heart? If not, why not? Could it be that God's speaking to your heart today and you, you need to just come and nail it down once for all? Come and trust in Christ today as your Savior.
I want to sing the first verse of this song. If God is speaking to your heart,